You're listening to the Mill Sunday School Podcast. This morning, uh, we are continuing all this month of December. We're, we're talking about the spiritual disciplines, things that can be used as tools to open us up to God, to feel closer to God, to listen to God. And so last week, we described the whole list, thought of every single discipline we could think of, such as prayer and fasting and reading the Bible, studying, meditating, gathering together, etc., etc. This week, we have the privilege of listening to Daniel Grothy speak about doing good in secret, the discipline of secret. So let's give Daniel Grothy a huge round of applause. Daniel Grothy is our mill mill, uh, associate pastor, and he's a really cool guy. And uh, yeah, (laughs) thank you, Dr. Joe. Good morning, everyone. Sir Danny, how are you? Good, good. Uh, was yesterday kind of a nice reprieve from the like sub-Arctic temperatures we've had in the last... Man, I was just looking for excuses to be outside. It's like 30 degrees and I'm in shorts and, you know, sandals, just because I can. Um, uh, yes, welcome. As you guys are gathering, I'll just tell you a quick little story. Um, a couple of you have heard this story, so please forgive my repetition. Jorge, good to see you, sir. Um, but, but most of you haven't, so I'll tell it. Um, I have a daughter, Lillian. She's two and a half now, and we have a little three-month-old son, Wilson. So my wife went to a Christmas party the other night, and uh, it was Monday night, and she went with some girlfriends. And so I was at home with Lillian. She took Wilson with her because he has to be fed every three hours, and so it was me and Lillian just hanging out, having a daddy-daughter night at the house, playing and uh, playing memory and Candyland and all, you know, the fun stuff that we play. And we had a friend over, Drew McCalman. The, the Green Bay Packers were playing the Baltimore Ravens that night. And uh, so we watched the game, and Lillian, because Mommy was gone, it was my call when she went to bed, right? So uh, normally she goes to bed about 7.30, and so Lisa got home at about 10, so I just decided we're just going to let Lillian watch the game with us, the whole game, I mean, until it's over. And so it was Drew, and Drew's on the recliner, and I'm on the couch with Lillian, and she's just transfixed on this game and loving it. And she knows that the Green Bay Packers wear the yellow and the green, and she kept saying, you know, it's the Green Bay Packers, Daddy. And Drew was screaming for the Packers, and so it was, a, it was quite the event at our house. And Lillian, uh, the next morning... I put Lillian to bed right before Lisa came, uh, and so she hadn't seen mommy till the next morning. So uh, Tuesday morning, we're sitting at the breakfast table, and Lillian's recapping the party night that daddy and her had, and you know, shoots and ladders in memory, and we watched football, and really, she stayed up and watched the whole game. Yeah, I watched, watched the game, and she said, um, the Green Bay Packers beat the Baltimore Raisins. <laughs> like Baltimore Raisins from the mouth of babes, man. Uh, Bill Cosby had it right when he said, kids say the darndest things. Um, so we're, we're in a good flow of uh, new memories, three and four a time every day, just Lillian saying crazy things. So I uh, hope you get to meet her someday. If you see a girl running around with big, crazy, blonde, curly hair, that's Lillian. She's about this tall. Um, so anyway, I was telling that story to buy some time, let you get your food and sit down. And, um, but now, most of you are seated, let's jump into the spiritual discipline of secrecy. Um, it's an interesting thought, 
when you study the life of Jesus, you, you see that he is kind of covert at times. Um, yeah, we know about him feeding the 5,000, the big crowds coming to the mountaintop to hear him teach. Um, but you see an equal representation of this Jesus who is looking to escape, to get away from the busyness and the crowds and the noise to go be with the Father, to go pray, to be quiet with the Father. And so I love, I love uh, even one passage said that Jesus um, jumped up before, before the sun came up and he climbed up on top of a mountain. Why before the sun came up? Well, it's because no one else was awake. <laughs> that would be the one time for him to escape without massive crowds watching him and following him. So Jesus was looking for opportunities to go away and do things in secret with the Father. And so uh, looking at his life, I think we have, we have good reason to, uh, to talk about the spiritual discipline of secrecy. So that's what we're going to do today. Luke 12, um, 1 through 3 this is in the contemporary English version, so it's a little bit different than the NIV, but they may have the NIV for the screen. But I'll read this to you, Luke 12, 1 through 3. As thousands of people crowded around Jesus and were stepping on each other, he told his disciples, be sure to guard against the dishonest teaching of the Pharisees. It is their way of fooling people. Everything that is hidden will be found out, and every secret will be known. Whatever you say in the dark will be heard when it is day. Whatever you whisper in a closed room will be shouted from the housetops. This is Jesus talking. (laughs) Everything you say in the dark will be heard when it is day. Whatever you whisper in a closed room will be shouted from the housetops. Everything that is hidden will be found out and every secret will be made known. That's pretty sobering. Uh, I think if you read the newspaper every day, you know that this is true. Uh, Bernie Madoff never thought that he was going to get caught. You know, he just thought he was going to make off (laughs) with all this money. And uh, Aaron mentioned it Friday night, Tiger Woods was running around doing whatever he wanted, thinking that, I'm, yeah, I can do what I want and this is never going to affect me. Well, everything that is said in the dark will be revealed in the light and everything that is whispered will be shouted from the rooftops for everyone to hear. And so it, 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 is, it kind of jerks the slack out of us and makes us sober up and, and really deal with this issue of secrets. But I think the, the, something that at least I've always uh, associated secrets with is bad, badness. Yucky, dirty, sinful, bad. You know, we, I, I think of secrets and I immediately have this negative connotation when I hear that word. Uh, But what I want to sort of address today is that it's not true. Secrets can be really, really great. Um, we We can build secrets and use them for the glory of God and for our benefit and for the benefit of others. So when you think of the word secret, don't don't automatically think that it has to be bad. Jesus himself said it doesn't. Um... The thing about good secrets is that they take a really long time to be exposed. Um, and really, usually it's God who does the exposing. So it just takes a long time. Um, the thing about bad secrets is it, it happens pretty quickly. And it's usually people. And it's usually shameful. People expose us and it's 
disgraceful and it wrecks families and it destroys lives. Um, so it's this kind of tension because I want things to move pretty quickly. I want to be rewarded pretty quickly for the good things that I do. But in the kingdom, it doesn't always happen that way. Usually, sometimes it takes a lifetime. Sometimes secrets are never made known in a person's lifetime. Think of Brother Lawrence, the guy who wrote The Practice of the Presence of God in the 1600s. He was a cooker uh, and a, a cleaner. He just sat in a kitchen, washed dishes, and made food for people who had money. And this guy was lowly, he wasn't educated, and he just determined that every second of every day, I'm going to strive to be in the presence of God and to, to know him in his dishwashing and in his cooking and in his cleaning. And here we have a book, 400 plus years later, that sold over 20 million copies, and it's just a book of his letters compiled. No one knew who Brother Lawrence was when he was alive. It only took him dying and hundreds of years and someone to discover his letters and put him in writing and now we're all buying it up and growing from it. Brother Lawrence had a secret life with God that was genuine and it was powerful and we are reaping the benefits from Brother Lawrence and he never got a royalty from a book. He never was known. He, he was infirmed in his body. He was sick. He had a really tough life. And yet we're bearing the fruit. We're reaping the fruit of his life. But he never got the reward. So with God, working in the kingdom, if you want to truly commit to this, and if I want to truly commit to this, we have to be okay for the long haul. That I may not get rewarded constantly, and I may not get praise from men. I may not get written up in the papers and, and heralded in, this, in the community. But am I going to serve God? Yes, I'm going to continue to serve God. I think the distinction regarding good secrets versus bad secrets is do I sow to please the Spirit or do I sow to please my own flesh? Am I working to glorify God and to go unnoticed or am I working to glorify myself and make myself great? Galatians 6, 7 and 8. It's a familiar passage for many of you. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Verse 8, the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. He doesn't say from the Spirit he will reap, you know, a, a sweet paycheck all of his life here in the earth. He says, the one who sows to please the Spirit will reap eternal life from that Spirit, from the Spirit of Christ. But the one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that very nature will, will reap destruction. So, I have, to, I have to constantly be asking myself, who am I doing this for? Am I doing this for me, to, to gain my own glory? Or am I doing this to glorify God whether or not I... To those who sow to please the sinful nature, I would argue that it's the curse of secrets. To those who sow to please the Spirit, it becomes the blessing of secrets. Does that make sense? We following? So if I'm sowing to please my own sinful nature, secrets are going to be a curse to me. Secrets are not going to be a good thing for me. But if I sow to please the Spirit of Christ, secrets are going to be a blessing to me and to my family. One, one thing that um, 
stuck out to me in studying for this is uh, this idea of praise from God versus praise from men. Um, John, this is in your notes, John 12, 42 and 43, should be up on the screen. It says, yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in Jesus. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue. And here's the key phrase. For they loved praise from men more than praise from God. So right here in the Gospels, John's accounting of this group of people who believed that Jesus was the real deal. That Jesus was the Son of God and he had great things to say and he, he was to be followed. But they weren't willing to confess it publicly because they were afraid of the Pharisees kicking them out of the synagogue. And the reason why is it says at the root, they love the praise from men more than they love the praise from God. And I think that's a human, a human thing. We, we naturally like praise from people. Um, that's, that's not an inherently bad desire. But when you love the praise of people more than you love the praise of God, it becomes death to you. Um, so it can be a bad thing if, if you're not committed to Christ first. Do we want earthly reward or do we want eternal reward is another thing that I've been thinking about. Uh, and, and this is all hitting me very hard <laughs> because I do like earthly reward. I would like to see it here now. Right in Matthew 6, which is what we've been studying for the last three weeks at the mill, Jesus said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves cannot break in and steal. I, I love that idea of not storing up treasure here in the earth where moth and rust are going to decay it away and it's going gonna, it's gonna to burn up one day. It's going to go away. But he says, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, something that cannot be destroyed by decay, something that cannot be broken in and stolen by thieves. I want to be a person that stores up treasures in heaven. Um, the spiritual discipline of secrecy. That's how we store up treasures in heaven, is by doing things to glorify God in secret and to bless people through it. One of the things that I've found about blessing people, uh, about like Friday night at the mill, we took up an offering for a single mom and her two twin sons. Uh, just really hard, hard life that they've had. And yet they've been faithful to God. They've worked hard. They're honorable. They, they serve here. In fact, on my way over here, I ran into her and she has no idea that we just took up this offering for her. And I was just, I almost wanted to just tell her, <laughs> guess what, girl, this is going to be a good week for you. <laughs> I didn't, but I, I'm just so pumped about being able to, to bless her socks off and to change her family. You guys gave toward it. You guys made it possible. So in doing these good works, one of the things that I've found uh, that can be difficult is getting over the giving quickly in my own heart. When I... When I give to someone, I like to kind of stay there and, and think, man, I just really went above and beyond. I am a servant of Christ Jesus. 
I am just, I just have such a giving and a tender heart. And I can't believe that I just am so predisposed to being righteous and godly and blessing people. That I, I mean, my flesh wants to really pump myself up for doing something good. And I think one, one of the things that in doing good for people in secret, we have to get over it quickly. We have to keep short accounts. We, short memory. Jesus... In Matthew 6 again, this is out of the message translation, so follow me here. Uh, It says, when you practice some appetite-denying discipline, fasting, to better concentrate on God, don't make a production out of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. If you go in training inwardly, act normally outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair, brush your teeth, wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you were doing. He'll reward you well. I sometimes feel tempted to reward myself when I do good for other people because I'm afraid that God won't reward me. So if God's not going to take care of me, I need to really make a production out of this giving. Oh, here's $10. Bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Son of God and the Holy Spirit. And I want to linger there and draw it out and... I just gave him $10. Did you see that? Because I'm afraid that God didn't see it. And we have to believe that what I just read, the word of God, what Jesus said out of his mouth is true. That he is going to reward those who diligently serve him and bless others. And we don't have to, we don't have to make a big deal of it. We don't have to tell the whole world how great we are. We don't have to tell the whole world and... and uh, you know, give account and blog about how amazing we are. God sees. And if we trust him enough to just be quiet about it, he will do some good rewarding. But we have to be the ones to say no to our flesh and, and deny our flesh from telling people how awesome we think we are. Another thing is, in this vein of getting over our giving quickly, our, sec- our good secrets and not having a, a high opinion of our good secrets, uh, even forget it if you can. I, I would encourage you to try to forget what you've done that's good. <laughs> uh, I know that sounds stupid, but um, to me, I just try to, when I do something, just put it away. I'm done. I did what I needed to do. I felt like I was obedient to God and I'm moving on and I'm not going to dwell on it a long time. I think there's precedent for this in scripture and this is Jesus again Matthew 25 34 through 40 and Jesus says then the king will say to those on his right come you who are blessed by my father take your inheritance the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink I was a stranger and you invited me in I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? You're crazy. We didn't do that. Or when did we see you needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? Jesus, I don't remember you being in prison. The king will reply, Jesus, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, 
you did for me. There's no indication that they even remember what they did. When, Lord? We didn't feed you or clothe you or visit you in prison or, or take care of you when you were sick. I don't understand what you're saying. And he says, no, when you did this for the least of these brothers, you did it for me. So right here, Jesus is saying on the final day when there's the great accounting, there will be a people that he calls to himself and he's going to tell them, well done. You did a great job. You were faithful. Enter into the joy of your Lord. And they're going to say, really? I don't remember doing that. I think we need to be people who forget what we've done that's good. I know it sounds stupid. I don't even know how you forget, but you just try. <laughs> because I know that if I don't force myself to just not dwell on it, then I'm going to be the one who goes out. I'm going to be the Pharisee in the synagogue saying, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, I thank you that I'm not like this stupid person over here who doesn't know how to pray, and thank you that I just have it all together. I want the reward later. <laughs> I don't want it now. Another distinction that I think is important in our good secrets in our acts of giving in our acts of service in our acts of kindness is how do we view the person that we're giving to do we view them as uh, do we view ourselves as the benefactor or do we view them as a brother or a sister and I'm I will be the first person to tell you that I have been in a situation many times where I've, I've blessed someone and felt like, I'm, I'm Donald Trump, you need me, you know? And the moment they do something I don't like, you're fired and I'm never blessing you again and you're out. You're dead to me. It's the temptation to have the, oh, bless his heart mentality. Oh, I'm, here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take care of you because just I, I pity you. You're just a pitiful person and, and good thing I'm in your life or else no one would take care of you because you're, bless his heart. <laughs> and you guys are like, what's wrong with this guy? <laughs> he's sick. He's, he's, he's felt that way about doing acts of service? Yes, I have. <laughs> I have stood in the position and felt like, I was doing this person a favor and they owed me something. But the brother mentality is a whole different ball game. When you serve someone and do good to someone and go out of your way for someone because they're a brother or a sister, I'm sorry. I try to give. With the mentality that I didn't give it. I'm sorry. This is making you uncomfortable. 
<laughs> Some of you are like, <laughs> out of here. <laughs> Thank you. But I really do try to give as if I didn't give it. not acting like I didn't actually give it. It's not living in a false reality. I think it's just a proper perspective. I didn't give it because it was never mine. It was God's to start with. It's when we see ourselves as channels and funnels. It's just hands that God can pass something through. It's not, oh, I got it. Stuff it in my pocket. Keep it. Jesus talked about, this isn't in my notes, but he talked about the farmer who had this massive barn and he had this huge crop and he's like, tears down the big barn and builds another one to store more stuff. Jesus said, that guy's in trouble. It's a mentality that I was supposed to give it. Not just that I could give it, but this isn't mine and I have to give this. I have to bless this person. I did not right to do this in my notes. This was not planned. <laughs> I really wish I wasn't. <laughs> this brother's in need, and so I'm going to give it. It's just all it takes. person who needs something, and I have it. I just happen to have it. Here, take it. Giving to get the attention of others is missing the point. It's doing good and dying on the inside at the same time. It's like me mowing my lawn. I'm supposed to mow my lawn. It's my job. I own a house. I'm the husband. I mow the lawn. But it's like me mowing the lawn and expecting my wife to make me a big fat chocolate cake and my kids to draw me a hot bath and my neighbors to line up in a big line and wait for me to... I cut the lawn and, and then I run through and yeah, do like a Ray Lewis dance, you know, because I cut the lawn. I'm supposed to cut the lawn. We're supposed to give. We don't need to drum it up and make this big production out of it. It's our job. Why? Why secret? Why does it have to be secret? Why does Jesus care about these stupid secrets? Because he wants the glory. But I want the glory too. But he needs the glory. It's his. He paid for it.
We do things in secret so that we don't secure glory for ourselves. I was standing at the front of the stage on Friday night after the service and this sweet young girl comes up to me and she's bawling, she's, she's pregnant and she said, did you give me 20 bucks during worship? Did you give me 20 bucks during worship? And she was just weeping. And the guy who I was standing with gave her another 20 bucks and she just broke down. She's a single gal, pregnant, young, got this beautiful baby girl on the way. Probably doesn't have a lot. Someone gave her 20 bucks. And then someone, someone else gave her 20 bucks. Could I please just talk? <laughs> Stupid crying. Freaking. I'm sorry. It's hurting me more than it's hurting you, trust me. That's what my dad used to tell me when he'd spank my butt. I never believed it. Now I do. This girl wanted to pin that 20 bucks on somebody. Because someone gave in secret, she couldn't. You know who she had to pin it on? Jesus. Imagine what that car ride home was like for her. Looking up, going, I just thought I was coming to worship. I got 40 bucks and people love me. They don't even know me. They love my little daughter. The secret giver forced her to look upward. You know the passage, it's 2 Corinthians 9. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously, for God loves a cheerful giver. You know that passage, yeah? Sound familiar at least? Well, a few verses later, here's what it says in verse 12 of 2 Corinthians 9. this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. I think that's what happened Friday night. It's not also supplying that girl's need, but it's also causing her to just overflow with thanks to God. Verse 13, Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves... Men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. That's why we give. So people find Jesus. Not so that we write our name on a plaque. Not so that the Gazette writes a little blip about us. I got a text the other day from my brother-in-law. Just terrible snow. It's a month ago. Real bad snow. <clears throat> they live up north and it's, the snow's worse. I feel like I'm coming out of the crying, just so you know. There's hope. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. So my brother-in-law <laughs> sends me a text and he says, Did you shovel my driveway? I thought, no, but I should have. <laughs> 
he's got a little baby girl that at the time was two weeks old. They got a steep driveway and it was icy and snowy. Someone who he has no idea, he doesn't know who did it. Someone came over, they were coming home from the hospital from a doctor's visit and their whole driveway and everything was cleaned off and they were able to walk up and get their girl, three little girls under the age of three in the house without falling down and going back to the hospital. That was pretty nice of somebody. Somebody shoveled their driveway and didn't leave an invoice. My sister uh, goes to ORU. She's a senior. And ORU is Oral Roberts University. I I shouldn't act like people know what that is. It's in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Thank you. Um, So Anna Joy's a senior there. And for the last three years... On my parents, my parents pay for her college. She has really great parents. Um, the last three years on the statement, the billing statement for this very expensive private college, there's been $5,000 deducted from each year. And the first year that happened, my mom was like, thank God, but I don't want to call and tell them that it was a mistake. <laughs> But I'm going to call and tell them because that was a mistake. We didn't pay $5,000 for her school yet. So my mom calls the registrar's office, financial aid at ORU, and they said, my mom said, hey, we owe you $5,000 more than what you sent us. I don't know what happened. And the lady said, let me pull it up here. And she starts looking and she said, no, you don't owe us $5,000 more. Uh, Someone paid for that. My mom's like, Who? And she said, well, I quite honestly don't know. I'm, I'm looking at the trail here of payment, and I, I, don't, I can't trace it to anywhere. I have no idea who paid for your daughter. And that's happened the last three years. And why? Someone could have gone to Cancun for six months <laughs> with that. I mean, at an all-you-can-eat, you know, all-inclusive... I don't know why, but I guarantee you in the growthy house, there has been much praise of God because of it. I have some friends, John and Dan Egan. Here I go again. (laughs) Frick. You should see me at home. John and Dan Egan. John plays guitar, sings some songs, praises Jesus here at the church, and his brother Dan sells homes and plays bass, and they're stellar men. They love God, and they've got great families, and they moved from New Jersey to go to ORU for four years, and it was quite the, you know, twins going to an expensive Christian private school. My sisters are twins, and they went to ORU too, and I can... My parents can tell you better than anyone how expensive that is. Um, And so, but they just felt like, man, we're supposed to go to ORU. And so they went and they, you know, parents told them, hey, we'll figure it out. We'll, We'll all pitch in and make this happen. God wants you there. So they go and, uh, one year, two years, three years, four years go by, graduate college and they're ready for six, you know, they're, Thanking God for six months of reprieve before they get hammered with student loans. And all of a sudden they find out one day 
that uh, their grandpa, their mom's dad, was a teenage boy and he was sick on his deathbed with tuberculosis. And at that time, tuberculosis was a big deal. I mean, it, it still is a big deal, but it was really a big deal then. And it was basically kind of a death sentence. You know, wait here, you just live as long as you can until you die. And um, John's grandpa saw this guy Oral Roberts on television one day. And Oral Roberts was just praying for sick people, like he did for years and years and years. And lots of people didn't get healed, but lots of people got healed. And John's grandpa was one of those guys that got healed of tuberculosis as a teenager. And Oral Roberts, when he was 19, was on his deathbed with tuberculosis. And so it was kind of special to John's grandpa that this guy had the same thing that I had as a teenager, and God healed us, and thank God for his goodness. And so John's grandpa started saving money, and 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 one day found out his twin grandsons were going to go to ORU, and he decided with all that money that he saved that he was going to pay for four years of two guys' college education because he was so grateful to God. And these guys didn't find out till after they had gone to school. It's not like Grandpa said, hey, you guys, I know you're getting ready to go to college. Don't worry, I've got it covered. It's like they made the step of faith and said, we're going to go. We're gonna, we feel called there. We feel like that's where we're supposed to go. And God's going to make it happen somehow. And God made it happen, and it was a secret. And I guarantee you that much praise of God has happened in the Egan house because of that really good secret that their grandpa had. I know this guy in Tulsa, where I'm from, 65-year-old coppersmith. And he's a good friend, and he's just as country bumpkin as you can imagine. I mean, the most, the most country bumpkin person I've ever met. But he loves Jesus and he reads his Bible and he prays like crazy and he makes really great cupolas and finials and copper stuff for houses. And so he'll make breakfast at his shop at six in the morning every morning and I'd go about twice, twice a month and on a Thursday morning, 6 a.m. He'd make me breakfast and we'd talk and pray and tell stories. And one day, one of this guy's uh, subcontractors came in and owed him money. And I'm sitting in John's office, this guy. And his contractor comes in with his checkbook and he's going to pay John for the, the uh, copper that he, John gave him. And the guy said, uh, John kind of walked out with him, came back in a, a minute later. The guy came in, the subcontractor who was coming to pay John, came back in and handed me the check, handed me a check and I was like, what's this? And he said, John told me to just make it out to you. What? Why? That was, he paid for that copper and he made those beautiful things that rich people are going to put on top of their house. He deserves that money. I don't know why he did it, but much praise from God. Much praise of God has happened because of that. That helped me buy an engagement ring for my wife. There are secret acts that we can commit with joy in our hearts and with innocence. And then there are secret acts that we have to commit looking over our shoulder and wondering if people will find out and hoping they don't. One of those brings life and one of those brings death. 
People sin on purpose. Why not do good on purpose? You know? Scripture talks about people laying on their beds, planning evil, lying in wait for helpless and innocent victims. Scripture says they can't go to sleep until they go and do it. They just, they just, hey, these are such great plans. I want to destroy that person. I'm getting out of bed and I'm going to go destroy him now while I'm thinking about it. It's basically what's, thank you, Eddie. I appreciate you laughing. Because these people have been rough with me this morning, Eddie, and it's made me cry. People plan, they prepare, they budget, they go to great lengths to sin. Why not plan and prepare and budget and go to great lengths to do good in the name of Christ without getting any notice? Micah 2 says, Woe to those who plan iniquity, to those who plot evil on their beds. At morning's light they carry it out because it is in their power to do it. Because it is in their power to do it, Scripture says they go do bad things, just because they can. Well, why don't we go do good things just because we can? Why don't we keep them secrets just because we can? It's more fun that way. (laughs) Like Aaron said the other night, stealth. Stealth goodness. Stealth giving. Stealth praying. Stealth fasting. Imagine if we were those people who lie in wait for our victims to do good to them. Why not? It's better than doing bad. And you don't have to go to prison. <laughs> Why did we bless this lady Karen on Friday night and her boys? Who I've known for three years. They're the most wonderful people. Karen cleans houses for a living. And she works her tail off. And about every third time I call her, her phone is shut off because she couldn't pay the bill and she just has to wait until she gets another check to go get her phone turned back on. Why did we bless Karen? Because it's in our power to do it. Because we can. I'll close with this story. My dad, who I love, here it comes. Love him. He had a terrible childhood. Really, really bad. And I think he told part of the story here when he was doing kind of the marriage deal. But it's just a a brutal story. His parents were in their 40s when they discovered they were pregnant with him. He was the only child and it was kind of a oops. And they really hated each other, his parents. So that oops mixed with them hating each other was not a good combination for him. So he would sit at the dinner table at five, six, seven years old and it was just waiting for any given moment this table was going to get flipped over and it was going to be UFC cage match. It was going to be all out brawl between mom and dad. It was common. It wasn't unusual for it to happen a few times a week. And they would take hot irons and burn each other's skin and throw coffee on each other and throw plates and utensils were turned into weapons. And my dad's a little dude, little boy, trying to, like getting in the way of these utensils that are being flung, trying to stop them from killing each other. 
and he would go to bed every night. He tells a story, and, and he, he said he'd just lay in bed and cry and say, God, just want a happy family. Just want a happy family. It's all I want. If, if you would just give me one thing in my life, give me a happy family, and I don't want to be the only child. Please. Every night, five, six, seven, eight, nine, twelve years old, crying himself to sleep. God, please give me a happy family. I was tucking my son in last night. He's Wilson, he's three and a half months and I didn't want to put him down. <laughs> For any of you who have kids, you know what I'm talking about. It's like, let's prolong this as long as I can. And just started praying for him and saying all these scriptures. And I'm not telling this to try to get a reward here. I'm just telling the story. I was praying for my son and singing to him and quoting scriptures. It's like the Lord said, Hey Daniel, remember when your dad was a little boy laying in bed? I heard him. This little secret prayers that he prayed. I think this is why I'm emotional. I can't imagine laying in bed as a boy feeling like my parents might kill each other. But as I was just kissing Wilson and praying for him. Hey, Daniel, I heard your dad. And I answered him. And now I get it. Now I get to partake in those answered prayers. I, when my dad tells the story of his family, it's, I can't believe it. I mean, I believe it because I know that it's true, but I don't have any grid for that. Because... My growing up with my parents was amazing. I wouldn't change a thing about it. But my dad didn't have that. But here I am, two generations later with my little son. And we have the blessing of God and we have the peace of God in our home. And Wilson's mommy and daddy love each other. And he'll never know any different. It's because... Someone had some secret prayers, just as a little baby boy. And God heard those prayers, and he honored those prayers, and he answered those prayers. Galatians 6, 9. I'll close with this. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest... If we do not give up. Jesus. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that 
you did so much good in secret. Thank you that you were constantly building a good secret life. And here we are reaping the benefits. Here we are blessed and in love with you and in relationship with each other because of your good secrets. Lord, I pray that we would be a people that are passionate about developing a life of really great secrets. Lord, I pray that we would be people who would be deflectors of glory. That people would try to throw glory at us and stick it to us, but we would, it would bounce off of us and go back to you, Lord, because you deserve the praise, and you deserve the glory, and you deserve the honor. Lord, I pray that you would make us a people that would, on purpose, scout out and look for opportunities to plan to do good for others who are in need. And Lord, help us to do it, not to get our names recognized, but to get your name recognized, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.